Hi, everyone. It's your best pal, Ron Knight. With me today, Mr. Robert Lawrence Friedman, who is the author of How to Relax in 60 Seconds or Less. Many of the books by Robert Lawrence Friedman include How to Relax in 60 Seconds or Less, The Healing Power of the Drum. Gee, Robert, it's been some time since we were actually together in New York at one of those drum circles when we were broadcasting on the air. How are you? Yeah, uh, I'm doing okay. I mean, uh, it's it's been a challenge, I think. But, you know, my goal is to is to explore how to use this time in as positive a way as possible. And I know that there's a lot of families that are suffering, 500,000 of them. And so I certainly feel great, uh, you know, empathy for those folks who have lost individuals to due to this crisis. But for the most part, my wife and I are doing fine. Uh, we're COVID-free, and I've been spending a lot of my time working with hospital employees, trying to help support the frontline staff in dealing with the stressors and the challenges of this crazy, crazy time. Yeah, well, that's great. Let me give our listeners a little background on you. For the past 30 years, Robert Lawrence Friedman, who has been a corporate trainer, a psychotherapist, of course, an author, a professional speaker, and a musician, as we've mentioned, has provided his dynamic and interactive rhythm-based programs to audiences throughout United States, Europe, and Asia. In 2014, Mr. Friedman was awarded the Hearst Scholar Award for your innovative work in the area of rhythm-based exercises and their effects on health and wellness. So I'm certainly glad that you're here today. And as we were chatting, because this pandemic has certainly taken its toll on so many levels. You know, when you were known for a stress reductionist, when we had our careers, people had too much on their plate, people were working like crazy. It was easy to see how people could get completely stressed out by having too much going on. Stress reduction was necessary. This pandemic, I think, has created a different set of circumstances where now it's like nothing is going on. We're told that we have to stay in the cave, sit on our hands. I mean, it's getting better now, thank God, because the vaccines are coming and people, I think, are getting a little bit more back to the mode of wanting to get reactivated and get back in play. But I think it's been a very stressful year just because loss, emotional loss, fear of death, fear of illness, all this stuff has been going on. So maybe you might want to touch a little bit just to get us going how the stress has been different as compared to when we had maybe too much going on and that was a different level or a different kind of stress. So... I mean, you're making a good point, Ron. I, I will share with you that in the environments that I am working in now, those levels of stress still exist. I just work with uh, 40 managers who are in the healthcare industry, and their issue is, is biggest issue is multitasking during this. So there is a sector of the population that clearly is overwhelmed and burnt out and stressed, and it's our healthcare workers. So those are the folks that mostly I'm working with. In terms of individuals who, like my wife, for example, who has not worked for a year, you know, it's interesting. There's, there's always two ways to view things. There's always at least two ways, two or more ways. So do you look at COVID and staying home as an opportunity to take care of yourself, to give yourself a, uh, a moment, a respite, an oasis in which you can enjoy simply being rather than doing? Or do you view it as a, a stressor because, because you don't know what to do? And again, I think it's going to be individualistic. I don't think there's a blanket way of viewing this. 
I do think that there are certain individuals who are using this time at home positively. They are finding themselves do, doing things that they would have done during retirement. They are enjoying the creativity, the opportunity the, to just be rather than have to do. There are individuals who are very stressed because they have fear of, are they going back to work? That I would consider a worry, and a worry represents a moment not in the present. And the moment you're not in the present, there's an opportunity for stress if you project negatively the future. So you don't know. All in all, I think that I think learning how to stay present would be a really important tool and vehicle to practice now because people can get caught up in their fears, their worries. And I think this is potentially, this was and still is a real opportunity for learning to grow be creative, learn to love yourself, learn to take care of yourself, and use this as, as an opportunity for, for uh, gaining greater self-awareness. That is one piece of this. Well, that's probably very good advice. Let's touch on your book, How to Relax in 60 Seconds or Less. And boy, the, the header on that alone sounds like a great idea. The book provides a wide range of relaxation techniques and strategies and also gives some tools to help one develop a greater level of relaxation, health, and well-being. What was the motivation for writing the book? So the book came out of the work that I had been doing in corporate America. And what was happening was that in the audiences that I was working with in terms of helping them manage their stress, they wanted to know the fastest ways that they can learn to relax which which sounds like an oxymoron. I want to relax fast. Let me now relax now. And yet that's what I was getting from the audiences. They were saying, well, this is great, but show me how to do it quickly. You know, I come from New York and New York is, uh, well, was very fast paced. It's, it is still is in some ways. And so the folks in the corporations were feeling like they didn't have time to relax. I want to relax and I want to learn to do it quickly. So. The book was a reflection of what was being asked of me, and that was the motivation for it. I guess we all live in that microwave world. You know, I want to hurry up and eat something, throw it in the microwave. It's done in 30 seconds. I mean, that right. is, that's that level of achievement and efficiency that this, especially this nation, was always geared towards. True. Um, so now with the opposite. And people for going on a year now being told, don't go anywhere, don't do anything, you know, just kind of reevaluate. Obviously, there's been an increase in things like baking, maybe for those who, who have the tools, you know, maybe they go out in the shop and they do some carpentry, you know, woodworking. But on the opposite level of that, what have been and what are the biggest stressors? I think you may have touched on some of this during COVID. And what's going on on a molecular level or on a called a psychiatric level? What are these biggest stressors going on during COVID? I mean, you touched upon them. I mean, the, some of the biggest ones are fear of death, fear of family catching this illness, fear dealing with changing of the habits and the stressors of that, not being able to see loved ones. You know, the, the biggest, one of the biggest stressors is habituation, are the habits that we keep. And one of the ways to reverse that is to, is to challenge yourself, is to learn to do things differently. You know, the question I would ask individuals is what are they doing to take care of themselves? What are people doing to help to mitigate their stress? How aware are they of their emotional state? 
there was some research that showed that many people are, aren't, aren't even aware of what they're feeling emotionally. And so if you're not aware of what you're feeling emotionally, how can you then change that? So there are many stressors. It Again, I don't think it can be generalized. Well, it can be kind of sort of generalized because we are doing some very different things as a society with social distancing, with wearing a mask. And yet people have started, at least the people in, in my sphere have, have recognized how vital that is to do. And yet it's a new habit. It's different. And yet it's, 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 it's becoming more, it's normalizing. And then in terms of COVID, it's just fear of the, as a contagion, fear of the variants that are coming up now. Some people are afraid of the vaccine. And it really just depends on what a person's worldview is. I think that determines their level of stressor at this time. And I guess you have to be very aware of what the problem is before you can start to address a solution. So your book, How to Relax in 60 Seconds or Less, it does go into the concept of instant relaxation and, of course, dissecting the negative ramifications of stress. But you do also offer concepts which can help people relax much, much more quickly. So that said, do you have any specific quick techniques for relaxation? I do. I do. You know, you're, we're, we're both drummers and drum facilitators, and I actually took one of the concepts of, of drumming and applied it to stress management. And the concept that I work with is the concept of entrainment. And I'm sure you're, I know you're familiar with the concept of entrainment, entrainment, the tendency to follow a dominant rhythm, rhythm the tendency to follow a dominant rhythm. So when you are in stress mode, your adrenaline is high. Your heart is beating quickly. And what you want to practice doing is doing the opposite. What does that mean? You practice doing things slowly. So as an example, if a person notices they're stressed, change their rhythm. Change the rhythm. What does that mean? Walk slower. Talk slower, write slower. What we have found is when you start to do that, when you start to shift your bodily rhythms, your vocal rhythms, your gait, you will not only slow those down, but you will also start to relax. And as you're doing that, make sure you're taking deep breaths in. So that's one of the concepts I work with. It's the power of slow. But a person has to become aware when they're in the stress, and then be willing to change the rhythm in order to be able to downshift. Are you suggesting, and again, you and I are rhythmically oriented, so I get that. And for those who might want a little deeper clarification on what entrainment means, it's kind of like if you have a group of people or a community, or perhaps even people in church, the idea is that some thing, either rhythm-wise, it could be even be melodic wise. It could even be just, you know, somebody's spoken word, or it could be just as simple as a truck, if you will, rumbling down the street, but people kind of notice the sound and entrainment says collectively people hear that and they all focus on it together. It's kind of like a boat in the water. If you look at where a boat is going, it leaves a wake behind it, but the rippling pattern is that it will actually bring in the other water elements around the wake and kind of suck it back up as it moves along. And that's what entrainment is doing for people and communities. So when we talk about entraining ourselves to a slower pace, just to be able to slow down, 
Is there an actual exercise? I mean, is it a count thing, uh, a numeric thing? Maybe people count to themselves and use like a, a numbers-based system to slow themselves down? Or do you find that there's some other psychological aspect of a way to do it without having to get so, you know, count and beat oriented? It's obvious you are a drummer. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Is there a beat I can do? Is there a, uh, what can I do? Can I put the metronome on? You could do the metronome. <laughs> um, it's a process. Everyone has their own rhythm. And so when I say slow down your pace, you slow it down. So if you're going fast, you slow down your walking. There's no rhythm-based protocol for it. It's more of a process-based than it is a procedural-based. So I say slow down your walking, slow down writing. So you, you mentioned a really good example of entrainment. One that I often use is when you're listening to music and you're tapping your foot to the beat, that is entrainment. You're following that beat. That entrainment exists in organizations. That entrainment exists in our pacing, in our day. And so, again, you want to have an awareness, back to self-awareness. You want to have an awareness of, first of all, ask yourself the question, am I stressed? How do I know I'm stressed? What are the ways? So there's mental ways of knowing it. There's physical ways of knowing it. There's uh, it's called mixed reactors where you're doing both physical. So maybe your stomach gets tight. Maybe your shoulders go up. Maybe you notice that you get a headache when you get stressed. What are what's What I call your stress signature. What is yours? So once you become aware of that, then you say, okay, what do I want to do about it? I mean, in my book, there are a number of methods. One of them is entrainment. One of them is using your memory, using your memory to think about what was the last thing that you were doing when you were relaxed. There's using objects as a way to relax. So for example, for some people, lavender relaxes them. So keep lavender in your pocket. For other people, it's a memory that relaxes them or a positive thought that relaxes them. You want to determine what are the resources that work for you that you know will relax you. Then have those available to you as your resource. Okay. So this is now leading me to another thought. You know, is what is it? There's the Walt Disney classic of Dumbo where he carried the black magic feather in his trunk just so he could <laughs> fly. And then when he was plunging to his crisis at the end of the film and he lost the black magic feather, it was Timothy the, the mouse who represented consciousness, who looked at him as they were plunging, looked at him right in the eye and said, you don't need the black magic feather, Dumbo. You just open your ears and fly. Just open your ears and fly. And it's an interesting metaphor. That said, now when we're talking about all of these, whether it's a lavender, whether it's an amulet, maybe people use a mantra, but people can de-stress. And if they are going to de-stress, let's say we get so wonderfully de-stressed because we're not attached to the material or the physical or the external things that are literally stressing everybody out. And if everybody got so calm, and so relaxed. Do we feel like then there's the doorway where if the mind starts probing for what's next, do you see this as the possibility that a doorway opens up into what we'll call spirit or spiritual enlightenment or some kind of an awareness? And because of that, maybe even approaching that level can also help make people realize they don't need to be stressed because their consciousness is moving into a, a, a different place. I don't want to sound too esoteric, but it's just leading me to say when people use breathing techniques and they do get slowed down, it's almost like a function of yoga at that point. And then they can actually go to higher places of awareness. So I don't know 
if you want to touch on other things that people can do, maybe breathing techniques or other things as well. And then what is the advent of where hopefully we can all get to? So that's a really, really uh, good point, Ron. And, you know, everybody has their belief system and their perception about what is possible. I am a great believer in, in the concept of spirituality and meditation and alternate perspectives. And I believe that you can use meditation as a vehicle for deepening your sense of your own spirituality. There are many ways to use meditation. You asked me a bunch of questions, but I think breathing techniques are very powerful. I'll give your listeners one of the keys to that, and that is that it was by a medical doctor, Herbert Benson, who found I would call the antidote for stress. And what he found was that when your exhalation is twice as long as your inhalation, your body will move into a state of relaxation. And that formula is used throughout different breathing techniques. So basically, the goal is to breathe in very, very deeply, get lots of oxygen in, and then breathe out at least twice as much slowly. You want to get all the CO2 out of your lungs, and then you do it again. And what that does within a minute to a minute and a half, it slows down your heart rate, it normalizes your blood pressure, begins that process. It increases your circulation, it changes your brain waves from the beta wave, normal waking consciousness, to the alpha wave, a slow brain wave rhythm associated with the feeling of inner peace tranquility, and that's all by changing the rhythm of your breath. There are many different types of techniques. There's something called diaphragmatic breathing, which uses that same concept, except it's very formulaic. It's one, four, two, breathe in on one, hold it for the count of four, breathe out for the count of two, or three, 12, six, breathe in deeper, holding it longer, blowing out slower. And so there are many, many tools that people can use, breathing tools, sensory tools. It's just a matter of determining what works for you to relax you. But it does take some effort because I guess you have to decide, is it worth it for you? And there's lots of reasons for it because we know that stress has been linked to strokes and heart attacks and type 2 diabetes and urinary tract infections and cancer and aging. And There's lots of motivation and incentive. The question is, are you willing to put the time into yourself to learn it and do it? It sounds like a certainly good value. I know if nothing else, if, to, if somebody told me, which you just have, that by learning to get the stress and control breathing into your system and into your body and get the stress out, it could actually help people control things like their blood pressure or their high cholesterol levels, you know, and if they can get off things like I would love to get off the amlodipine that I'm on or the statins, you know, so maybe it's as simple as just remembering to do things like how to relax yourself and, and just watch your health levels just by doing these techniques. How to Relax in 60 Seconds or Less, written by Robert Lawrence Friedman. Robert, this has been great. Now, if people want to find you or find your book, or for that matter, maybe they're interested in the ramification of, you know, the healing power of the drum, and maybe they're interested in that as well. But How to Relax in 60 Seconds or Less, where would they find that? They can go to my website, which is www.stress-solutions.com, and they can find all of my books and other resources for that, or they can go on Amazon as well. 
Well, there you go. And you will find if you are a listener and want to get into this, it's a great book featuring techniques which you can use to relax quickly in 60 seconds or less. Robert, thank you for joining us today. And hopefully these words that people have been listening to will be of value to them. And hopefully we'll all get through this COVID thing and, you know, by the end of the year. But wouldn't it be great if we were all in a much better mental health state when we all come out? Indeed. Ron, really, thanks for giving me the opportunity to uh, talk with your audience. It's good to see you after uh, 17 years. Um, <laughs> yeah, hard to believe. Where does the time go? Where does the time go? To your audience, so stay well, stay healthy. And Ron, thank you so much for the opportunity. And I look forward to uh, seeing you again soon. You bet. We will not let so much grass grow under our feet by the time we get together again. Sounds thanks, perfect. Thanks for being All here, right. Robert. Thanks, All right. Buddy. Thanks so much, Ron. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.